visitation. Hear the Spirit call. Welcome to another podcast of Dr. Leslie Bakupong. Be blessed as you listen. A word that will give you focus, a word that will uplift you. Let's welcome the ministry of our own daddy as he goes for us. Philippians, 
Philippians chapter 4, verse 17, where Paul said, I don't teach you these things because I desire it from you. Hallelujah. There are certain men of God. I mean, me, I, I, don't, I don't depend on the church for allowances. And the truth is that I never plan to. Hallelujah. God is going to bless me so that I would rather be a blessing to the church. Amen. But if you see another church and the church is providing for the pastor, it is not wrong. Hallelujah. Yeah, I showed you Galatians 6. There's a church, they have Galatians 6 day where they appreciate the pastors according to Galatians chapter 6 verses. So these are all biblical things. They are correct things that are done. You see, if you even go strictly into scripture, the, what do you call it? First fruits and um, even the time. Actually, it's supposed to be for the priest to jump. <laughs> if you go strictly according to the word of God, that, that, that is what is written there. Hallelujah. I know when it comes to tithing, there, there are a lot of debates now. And um, recently I had somebody on the net saying that Jesus didn't encourage people to tithe. But that is if you don't understand what Jesus said about tithing. He actually never said you shouldn't tithe. All he said was that there are more important things than tithing. And he never said don't tithe. I think that's in is it Matthew 23, 23. Let's see, is it Matthew 22, 23 or John 23? Give me Matthew 22, 23. Let's see. Give me the NLT. When he was speaking to the Pharisees. It's definitely one of the Gospels. I know it's 23, 23. But... Alright, yes. NLT. He said, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees? Said hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens. A lot of people stop there and are like, Oh, Jesus was condemning the whole of tithing as a thing, you know, that kind of thing. But you ignore the more important aspects of the law justice, mercy, and faith. And for me, the last part is what clinches it. He said, you should die. Yes. But do not neglect the more important things. Hallelujah. For me, this settles, it settles the argument for me. Jesus never said we shouldn't die. Hallelujah. Yeah. So, it's important for us to understand some of these things so that we don't criticize wrongly. Alright? As today, I'm coming to show you that God doesn't like it when we criticize unnecessarily. Especially his servants. Amen. Amen. So I'm doing the man of God part two. Amen. <laughs> yes. So on Sunday, I spoke about the responsibilities of the man of God. And quickly, let me just summarize some of the things I said. The responsibility of the man of God is supposed to teach the people the ways of God through preaching, teaching, living an exemplary life demonstrating the power of God. Supposed to use their gifts to be a blessing to the people. And I spoke about the fact that God gives people specialties. When it comes to them, there are certain people who are gifted in certain areas. They are able to do certain things. He's supposed to be an intercessor. And I use Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly, far above, according to his power that is at work in us. That means according to the anointing that is at work in us. And anointing is in levels. Men of God, as you would expect, will occupy a higher grade or a higher level of the anointing than other people. Alright? That is why it looks as if God hears his servants more. That's why Elijah will lock up the heavens, rains. You may pray and it will <laughs> nothing like that will happen. God doesn't hear all of us the same. It doesn't mean all your prayers, you must just go and dump it at the doorstep of the man of God to pray for you. Aside the anointing pushing prayer for it to be answered, there is also the need for fervency. Say fervency. The Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man availeth much. So as much as you need a strong anointing to push the prayer for it to avail much, you also need fervency to push it. So the man of God's part is the anointing to push it. 
and your part is the fervency to push it. Because you can you, the man of God can't be more fervent about your situation than you yourself. So it's a combined effort. Hallelujah. So when you come and give me a prayer topic, don't go and say, Oh, I know Pastor is praying for me, so I'm coming. You are not. <laughs> Hallelujah. We must join our forces together. Amen. For the thing to come through. Because as for the passion and the fervency, I cannot generate that for you. Even if I generate it, it will never be more than what you feel for the situation because you are the one in the situation. You are the one feeling the heat. Amen. So the man of God is supposed to be an intercessor. He's supposed to be a shepherd. And I made mention of the fact that the shepherd is not supposed to use the sheep for kebab and light soup. And I mean, I'm talking about abusive Christian leaders who just use people for all sorts of things. And then how to relate to a man of God? I said you must First of all, believe in the gift upon the man of God. In the beginning, I established the fact that there is a place in the Bible for believing in men. But if you believe in men and you don't balance it with believing in God, it is a problem. So Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Trust in God or believe in God and believe in me also. All right? And then in 2 Chronicles 2.20 or 2.20, whatever, he said, what? Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. And believe in the servant, the prophet, and you shall be prosperous. Alright? So that balance has to be there always. If anybody comes and teaches you an imbalanced message, where it's just being skewed to believing in a man, it is heresy. It is not scripture. Alright? And it looks as if for somebody's gifting or somebody's anointing to work for you, you must believe in that person's gift. You must believe in what God has placed upon the person. And I said, you must support the anointing with your service. You must support financially. You must support by being a source of encouragement. And I gave you certain scriptures, I've quoted some already, that show that it is okay to support those who are spiritual overseers over you financially. Once in a while, you find a gift. Give to the people who have been leading us in nice worship. This is it. So you collect this pen. Hallelujah. Sometimes when we say gifts, people think we are talking about huge things. Like big, big, big. God will bless you to the point where you can write checks of hundred thousand dollars. Hallelujah. But it's not it's not really about big, 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 huge, huge things. It is the appreciation that is a, is a, is a thing. It's all about appreciating people. Amen. And <laughs> Empire was just telling me today that <laughs> during Christmas, our nanny was asking her, ah, in Accra here, people, so is it that people don't dash their pastor's things or what? <laughs> and she was laughing. <laughs> because where she's coming from during Christmas, the things people dash are the crops. So you see bundles of yam, this, that, 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 and the pastor's house is full. I see modern things we we that's more small things that you may not see. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> that's more small things that people say. Oh, I must say this Christmas there are certain people who brought very nice gifts. Even this 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 book I'm using, like this was a gift. And you see nicely made that fire written on it nicely. And it came with very words, words that I found very inspiring. And this is what the person who said to Daddy Fire, a man of God of integrity. God richly bless you. It can only get better from Sweden. Hallelujah. You see, you might say, oh, this book is, is, is just uh, three CDs or whatever. But the words written inside carry weight. And it puts a lot of responsibility of me on me. For someone to call you a man of integrity, it means how to maintain it. Yeah. <laughs> I mustn't find myself embroiled in scandals, things that will put the name of bring the name of God into disrepute. So you see this, this is a, it's a very, very powerful thing that I've received. From time to time, I read those words that I've written, a man of God, a man of integrity. Like, hey, I can't disappoint. Hallelujah. 
you know, and things. I mean, okay, uh, during the Christmas, Alpha and Gina, they brought me a shirt and wore it, you know. One day I got home and there was this nice African print shirt at home. And I asked, oh, it was a gift from Barbara. And that day, no, I was going to preach at the conference. Afternoon, no, so I was. When I, I, took, I took a selfie and I sent it to her. I've won your shit. I'm going to preach and the anointing will be mega. <laughs> you know, Harriet brought me a, a flask. A flask that's supposed to keep things cold and stuff. I brought some to magnify so I can bring it in my water so that it will not be cold. I can drink cold water nicely. And it had the overflow logo embossed on it with my name written on it nicely like that. The perfume I'm putting on today was a gift from Roma. And so it's it's uh, God bless you all for the little all of, all of you all of you for the little tokens of appreciation. Hallelujah. So yes, still on the on the summary, um, I got to the part of respecting the anointing and honoring the anointing, and I'm taking on from there. All right. So the second part of this is dwelling more. I'm going to go into a bit of more detail about um, respecting men of God, not being too familiar. You see, when we talk about not being too familiar with anointing, some people ask, so does it mean you shouldn't even get close to a man of God? I was starting with one gentleman yesterday, and I was telling him that in your interaction with men of God, and when I say these things, you should know that I also have people who are men of God in my life. Alright? So it's not like I'm just speaking to you. It, it applies to all of us. Everybody needs somebody in their life. Amen. So I told them that there are different categories of people around every man of God. Everybody and what they are looking for. Some people come and the reason they are close to the man of God is that is a good solution to problems in their lives. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. Because that is why the man of God is supposed to be there. It's supposed to solve problems. Like, when I have issues, I have to get closer to the man of God to get wise counsel and everything. That is one category. And we have those two who want to learn. They come close to come and learn. So, and, and I see that in my life. There are people who come, and it's like they're asking questions about ministry about this, about that, about that. Kofi is one of those people. He's always asking questions, probing questions and sending me sometimes when I see it, he'll say, I know it contains a lot, so I'll intentionally not read until I have time. <laughs> because he'll be asking me a lot of doctrinal issues that I need to take time to answer. So when I see Kofi's message, I know he's not just coming to say, oh, I'm checking on you. How are you? There are people who have been for them just, you know, to check on me and to see how I'm doing. I mean, on Sunday, I came with very red eyes. There were three people who sent me messages. The whole church. Hallelujah. <laughs> three people who sent me messages to check on me <laughs> to find out. <laughs> I like the way you are laughing. <laughs> it's a message. <laughs> three people who sent me messages to find out how my eye is doing and everything. Maybe I'll even read one one person's message to you. Sometimes you think these things, so we, we are always in the spirit. So <laughs> these things, and you could see it was a it was a heartfelt message that was sent. He said, "Good afternoon, Daddy. First of all, I want to thank you for today's sermon." It was a real eye-opener for me. He said, I pray for quick healing in Jesus' name. I ask Jesus to remove all unproductive cells and rebuild all damaged areas. May he remove all the inflammation and cleanse any infection of your eye and any other ailing part of your body. Let the warmth of his healing love pass through you right now to make new any unhealthy areas so that you can continue to serve them in full health in mind and body. I ask this 
through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. How can my eyes not get better? <laughs> Hallelujah. So, what was I saying? <laughs> there are different, <laughs> there are different reasons. There are some people who like, encompass all of these reasons that I'm talking about. All right. Some come to, like, they want to learn. Others are there just because they like you as a person. They just want to be around you. They just want to interact with you. And there are some who are there because they see something they want to tap into. They, they like that kind of thing. I shall follow until I also start seeing the things. Alright? There was a time one gentleman after a fire rally came to see me and said, I want to walk in seven times the anointing of the Bible. He took my number and everything. After one year, the second, the following year, fire rally again. I desire this anointing. I desire this anointing. I told him, you collected my number a year ago. 300 plus years have passed. And I told him, sir, I told him, anointing doesn't jump. It flows. So there has to be a connection. Hallelujah. Anointing doesn't jump. It flows. There has to be a connection for that thing to happen. So there, there are different levels at which people relate to you. There are some people who relate at all the levels. So when we say you shouldn't get familiar, familiarity is not necessarily about closeness. No. It is not a bad thing to get close to a man of God. When we say familiarity, we are talking about you getting to a point where you begin to take the gift and the man for granted. Hallelujah. That is when we say you have become familiar begin to take the gift for granted. You begin to take the man for granted. Sometimes because of easy access, it's like you don't value it anymore. One thing I've learned over the years is that the gift and the grace and the anointing on somebody's life works best for you when you hold the person in awe. When you see, the, when you, it's like you are, I don't know how to put the English. You are, you are, awed by the person one way or the other and, and i'll show you examples in the bible of how losing that all can prevent the anointing from flowing it doesn't matter how anointed the person is it seems as if that is how the thing works when you lose that sense of awe, the anointing just stops flowing it just stops working let me give you let's let's look at matthew chapter 13 Let's start reading from verse 53. Matthew chapter 13, verse 53. This one is Jesus himself. He said that it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these parables, he departed thence. Next. And when he was come unto his own country, everybody say his own country. He taught them in the synagogue. That means he got to Nazareth. They gave him a platform in the synagogue. He started teaching. When he started teaching, let's see what happened. Insomuch that they were astonished. It's like they were in awe. Wow. What were they saying? And said, Whence had this man this wisdom and these mighty works? What it means is that when he started ministering, he was flowing. Probably some miracles were happening, some healings were taking place. Oh, because when had this man this wisdom? That means when he was speaking, he was like Charlie. The guy is speaking sense. And these mighty works. That means it's possible he started doing some miracle. Okay? So that sense of, of all was there. And because of that, the thing was working. Next. And then suddenly some people amongst them decided to kill their awe, their sense of awe. And that was, is this not the carpenter's son? Natalie, we know you. <laughs> is this, is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? Just a We know the house you came from. We know how your house is painted. And his brethren. 
started naming James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. We, we know your family too. We know your background. We know your house. There's nothing there. You are from some poor home. Next. And his sisters, are they not all with us? When then has this man all these things? You see how the all was diluted. The people sat there were all diluted. The thing was working. The well was flowing. The, the, the miracles were flowing. Suddenly, the familiar people, ah, I don't know you. When then has this man all these things? Next. And they were offended in him. So they all turned into offense. Like, ah, this man that we thought he was such a special man. No, no, he was one of us, a carpenter's son. This is that, 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 that you carry wood yes. Ah, you got that, I give you my check. After one day, you broke a <laughs> Things like that. So they all now turned into offense. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and his own house. Next. And the last part is the sad part of it all. A meeting that was supposed to be a very good one started on a very good note. Suddenly, he said, and he did not many mighty works. That means he did some. I believe the ones he did were the ones he did in the beginning. After they diluted that sense of all the people had of him, the anointing wasn't flowing anymore. Mighty works there because of their unbelief. Hallelujah. So this is a typical example of somebody who has been anointed without measure. I told you on Sunday that anointing is in measures. Sometimes God takes you to another level and all of that. But with Jesus Christ, God anointed him without measure. This is the, he's the, he's the most anointed person you can ever have. Even with me, look at what familiarity did. How powerfully familiarity blocked the flow of the anointing and the flow of the gates. That's why sometimes I say, then for some of us, there's no hope, really. If we allow our small anointing, this mighty one, look at how familiarity was able to block it and prevent it from flowing. And so it is important to maintain a certain sense of awe. And when I say a sense of awe, it doesn't mean awe unto godlike proportions. You understand? If you do that, you are going into idolatry. You are replacing God with a man. For me, the people I look up to, I have a way of ensuring that I don't lose my sense of awe of them. Because I know the moment I lose it, I'll stop benefiting from what God has placed. And so one of the things I do is to try not to get into aspects of their life that don't concern me. You understand? I, I don't probe too much. What I see is okay for me. Hallelujah. And I'm going to continue to benefit from the anointing and continue to tap. I don't want to probe much. Sometimes we are too nosy. <laughs> They are too nosy. The accounts have a certain problem. They say, well, when you go opening the conjunctiva <laughs> of a corpse, you will see a ghost. Sometimes when you go looking for things, you find things. I know somebody, one day, the person just decided that she wants to do an, an abdominal ultrasound scan. She did it and found that she had only one kidney. <laughs> 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 but I had only one kidney and she was born with it. And that's fine. It makes her a special human being. I go seeking for things you find. You understand? <laughs> so I try not to concern myself with things that are higher than I. And see, somebody like David understood that. David understood that, don't you know? That's why he was such a successful man of God. He understood that. He respected the Lord. Even when Saul was misbehaving, he still refused to show him disrespect. 
Let's read Psalm 131, verse 1. Let's see one thing David said. 131, verse 1. He said, Lord, my heart is not hot, nor my, my eyes lofty. Neither do I exercise myself in great matters or in things too high for me. Sometimes we go and into things that don't concern us, things that will not add anything to your life. Going to find things that. That's why there are certain times, you see, you'll be sitting with certain people. When they start talking in a certain way about certain people, me, I'll just close my ears or I'll, just, I'll leave. Because as, as a human being, even if what they are saying is not true, there's a way in which it can start affecting the way you're seeing the person. Hey, what if it's true? What if it's not true? What if it's true? What if it's true? Next time you are seeing the person's meeting, instead of listening and tapping and receiving, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, that's what you're thinking about. The meeting will be over and not receive it. Hallelujah. So, in order to maintain your sense of, oh, don't go probing into things that don't matter. Look. And Satan knows this. And so, especially for those that are being effective in the kingdom of God, he will put out lies and distorted truths about them. So that it would affect the extent to which people take their message. And people accept their message. There are certain scandals that are actually planned and programmed from the pits of hell. I'm telling you this so that you don't just accept. You hear, oh, this man of God has done this. A lady has come and has said, uh, this man of God, is this, 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 and he was my boyfriend, and this, and this, and this, and that. If Satan can enter Judas <laughs> to go and betray Jesus, that's the human beings that Satan is entering. And using them to do all sorts of things. Hallelujah. Amen. All I'm going to tell you is that don't take anything you hear. You see, it's different if you don't believe the person is a man of God. Because there are a lot of false prophets out there. I'll come to criticizing the men of God very soon. As for false prophets, you can criticize them and criticize them and criticize them. But if you do accept the fact that the person is a man of God, there are ways in which you deal with them. Hallelujah. Amen. Satan can plot. Because you see, he knows the moment you hear this, that, that, the sense in which you accept, you accept the message and whatever they have will get you distorted. Recently, there was a case in Nigeria. Later, it came out that politicians and other fellow pastors had contracted a woman and given her loads of money just to lie about a man of God. And this thing was on the air, it was on the news, and people were debating all over. Those who didn't like Christianity used it as a stone in their hands, and they were casting all sorts of aspersions against the church. Finally, conviction of the Holy Ghost caught the lady and she came and knelt down in front of the church, in front of the man of God's wife, to beg that some politicians and other pastors. I don't know why a pastor would do that to a fellow pastor. And those pastors, they should wait, yes, is coming. You see, yes, is now boiling. <laughs> and so, it's not, it's not everything that you must just take. Hallelujah. Yeah. So you must do whatever you can to maintain your sense of awe. Now you ask, so what if really what you are hearing is the truth? Okay, maybe there's a scandal that a man of God somewhere that you respect has gone to impregnate another person's wife. Something of the sort. What, what are you supposed to do? Okay, there's proof. DNA. They don't hear any. <laughs> and there's proof. It is true. What are you supposed to do as a Christian? When you look through scripture, it seems as if God has his own way of dealing with the people he called. Hallelujah. It seems God has his own way of dealing with the people he called. Sometimes criticizing the people God has called, especially when you don't have a point, it's like you are putting your finger in God's own eye. Anybody who is a carrier of the anointing is also a carrier of the glory of God. Alright? 
And you realize from Old Testament that God guards his glory jealously. In the tabernacle, the glory was not placed in the outer court. It wasn't placed in the holy place. It was in the holy of holies, which, was, which even had limited access. He guards his glory jealously. Anywhere there's a glory, there shall be a defense. Give me Isaiah chapter 4, verse 5. He will guard it jealously. Basically, what it's saying is that where the glory of the Lord is, there is a defense. God places a defense around the glory. So it looks as if God deals with his own people in, in a different way. That's why I showed you Psalm 131. That don't engage yourself in matters that are above you. Who are you to judge another man's servant? Hallelujah. When you look at Numbers, the book of Numbers, chapter 12, there's a typical case there. Moses and his two siblings, Aaron and Miriam. Let's go to Numbers, chapter 12. He said, Miriam and Aaron speak against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. Now there are a lot of theological debates. We all know his wife was Zipporah. She was a Midianite. The Midianites are not Ethiopians. So does it mean Moses married a second wife? Or was their problem the fact that he married a Gentile? It could also be that Zipporah died. And so he now could marry another 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 woman. Alright? But we will not delve in matters <laughs> that are higher than I. <laughs> that one is between him and God. God said he speaks to him face to face and mouth to mouth. Alright. But whatever it is, Miriam and Aaron had a problem with it. Miriam, are, are you in the house? <laughs> Miriam and Aaron had a problem with it. And you see, let's go on and see how God reacted to this. Next. He said, and they said, Had the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? I said, you. And you know, Moses was their younger brother. Miriam and Aaron were older than Moses. Had the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Had he not spoken also by us? Just say, we too, we the prophets are you. You think you are the only one who speaks to God. Come on. What are you talking about? And the Lord heard it. Everybody say, the Lord heard it. When you are speaking against the Lord's servants, he hears. And the Lord heard it. Next. Now the man Moses was very meek above all men which were upon the face of the earth. Next. And the Lord speaks suddenly unto Moses and unto Aaron and unto Miriam. She said, the old man bore. He said, come out ye three unto the tabernacle of the congregation. And the three came out. It's like, come, come. Let me come and let me solve this matter now. Next. And the Lord came down in the pillar of the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam. First three people came out, but he's sidelined too. Yeah, step forward. <laughs> Aaron, Miriam, step forward. <laughs> and they both came forth. Next. And he said, Hear now my words. This is a father who is angry. Hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision, and I will speak unto him in a dream. They were claiming that they are also prophets. God speaks to them. He said, you, your level is in dreams and in visions. Next. But as for my servant Moses, it's not so who is faithful in all my house. Next. With him will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently. That means, yeah, you say it too, I speak to you, but yours is at a different level. You understand? I operate with him at a higher level face to face, mouth to mouth and not in dark speeches. I said, he, when I speak to him, he doesn't have to interpret though. It's clear. 
So he's trying to show them their level. Because they claim that they to God speaks to them. And to tell them that you are all not the same. And the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. That means he has even seen parts of me before. You I speak to parables and things and you are coming to boast with it. Wherefore then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? Then why were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? Next. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them. And he departed. Old man Bob. Then they went away. Next. And the cloud departed from off the tabernacle. And behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow. And Aaron looked upon Miriam. And behold, she was leprous. This one too, you ask. Two people came to claim. They too, they can hear from God. Aaron, Miriam. <laughs> but when God left and the judgment came, this one, the woman should have gone on a demonstration. Aluta, this is female discrimination. Why is it that a man and a woman both went to misbehave? And God has made their misbehavior clear to them, like He explained it. That's how punishment should be. You explain to the child and then you punish. Explain to them that look, this man is at a different level from you. You have no right to compare yourself to him. Why were you not afraid to speak against him? Judgment comes, the man has been spared, and it is only the woman who is leprous. Do you know why? It's because Aaron was a priest. The priestly garment. That's why I say sometimes it's as if God is not fair, but it's as if he is biased towards the people he has anointed and the people he has called. I, I can't change it. You can't change it. We just have to accept it. Hallelujah. Leprosy would have prevented Aaron from continuing in his office as a priest. Because one of the characteristics is that you shouldn't have leprosy. And so the priestly garment itself was a shield against the judgment of God for the man of God. It's not fair. But that is how God wants to do it. Hallelujah. But a key statement here is that why were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? Why were you not afraid? Me, I'm afraid though. So I don't say certain things. I, I don't add my mouth into certain kinds of conversations. There are things you will hear but keep to yourself. Hallelujah. I told you on Sunday, David, he said what? When Saul and Jonathan died on the Mount of Gilboa, he said all sorts of things. He said what? How are the mighty falling? He said, tell it not in God and publish it not in Ashkelon. Don't go and say it anywhere that the mighty are falling. Because it won't, it won't add anything to the kingdom of God. But it can subtract mightily. A lot of people's faith will be will be crushed. Some of these scandals, eh? <laughs> when they come out, it's like most of the time they find out that the true ones, they find out that the thing had been going on for a while. All that while that people didn't know, the anointing was still working for them. They were still getting healed, they were still listening to the messages and getting blessed. They were still getting delivered. But the moment they got to know, hey, this is it. So me, I'd rather not know. So that I can continue to soak. I can continue to get blessed. You understand what I'm saying? Huh. I'd rather not know. Let, let me shut my ears. I don't want to hear. Well, I know the moment I hear, my receiving becomes a problem. Some of them, the thing has been going on for a very long time. And I told you on Sunday that the fact that a man of God has a weakness doesn't mean God can't use him more. God is not looking for perfect people to use. He's looking for yielded vessels. That's what he's after. Yielded verses. He's not looking for perfect people. As the Bible says, we are all gradually being transformed into the world. The very image of Christ. It's a process. It's a process. So you find a man of God, and maybe he has a certain weakness with his anger, with what? That kind of thing. But the anointing is still there. Forget about the anger. It's like when medicine 
doesn't smell nice or it doesn't taste nice they say you close your nose it's easier to drink it that way when you close your nose you can't smell it it's easier to drink it when we're small they used to give us a chloroquine syrup that thing you drink it and the taste bitter taste is in your mouth for one week you will brush your teeth what do I, and it's still there and the smell is even worse like it have this smell so if you want to drink it our mothers will hold our nose and they pour it into your mouth so sometimes you have to hold your nose and drink from the cup when it comes to men of god hallelujah you just, just you just close it don't 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 indulge yourself you see unless you don't believe the person is called of god that's a different matter altogether if you don't believe the person is called of god run away totally go away like just disappear just run away that's why you shouldn't involve yourself in certain conversations there are times when people they start certain conversation. Hey, this man of God, I've heard that this person is into the occult. I'll keep my mouth shut. I'll not talk some. I'll even get up and go because the more you are hearing these things, and these are people who I'm receiving blessings. Even if they are, uh, me, I've not discerned the occult yet. If they have, I mean, I've not discerned it yet. So let their messages continue to bless me. At least they've not come to stand in front of me to tell me if you go and you are initiated into an occult, it's a good thing. They come and say certain things. I know that ah, there's a problem with them. Hallelujah. And so let's watch how we speak against the servants of God. God does not like it. There are other examples. Numbers chapter 21, verse 5 to 6. God sent serpents because people were remembering. The story of Korah, Numbers chapter 16, 2 to 3. And then on Sunday, I was showing you how different approaches to the anointing can produce different results. When you approach an anointing with maturity and respect, that anointing becomes a blessing to you. Let's go over it again. 2 Kings chapter 2. Let's start reading from verse 19. 2 Kings 2 from verse 19. Let's go through it quickly. And the men of the city, men, a symbol of maturity, all right, said unto Elisha, Behold, I pray thee, the situation of this city is pleasant, as my Lord seeth, but the water is not, and the ground barren. Next. And he said, Bring me a new cruise and put salt therein. And they brought it to him. Next. And he went forth unto the spring of the waters and cast the salt in there and said, Thus saith the Lord, I have healed these waters. There shall not be from thence any more death or barren. Next. It means the anointing was beneficial to them. It solved a problem in their life. So the waters were healed unto this day, according to the saying of Elisha, which he spake. Let's move to the verse 23. Now the same man of God, the same anointing, same personality, everything. And he went up from thence unto Bethel. And as he was going up by the way, there came forth little children. Say little children. So now contrast the men with little children. When you approach an anointing with immaturity, it's like agro agro, you are, you know, that kind of thing. And no respect here and there. There came forth little children out of the city and mocked him and said unto him, Go up, thou bowed head. Go up, thou bowed head. And I was explaining to you that it was a very serious thing they were doing. It looks like the people used to mock him about his claims that he saw Elijah being taken up into heaven. So, okay, then you two go. Your father is gone, so you two go up, go up. And they added the fact that his head was bowed. Mutuwe, head, mutuwe, mutuwe. They were just laughing at the man of God like that. So they were not mocking just Elisha. They were mocking him and mocking his spiritual father at the same time. Two dangerous anointings. You don't go and mock the two together. It sounds like a very, very wicked thing <laughs> that he did. But uh, it is a matter above me. So <laughs> I shall not debate it next and he turned back and looked on them and cursed them in the name of the lord that means it was god who sent the the animals he cursed them in the name of the lord so it was, it was the power of god that brought the bears out to come and kill the children it seems very wicked but it is above us hallelujah and there came forth two she bears out of the wood and tear forty and two children of them So same anointing that was a blessing unto people solved their problems because they approached it with maturity. When childishness came in, 
it rather did the opposite i pray that when you see an anointing you will behave like a mature man <laughs> in front of an anointing and not like a little child jesus and his disciples he had a very close relationship with them but you realize they, 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 they never got familiar with him there was a time he was preaching and the bible said john had his head on his bosom like he's preaching and john had it that was how close he was with them and when he sends them go and bring the coat they go and bring it when he says go and do this they go and, and do it the distinction was clear even though there was closeness they never took the grace of god upon his life for granted hallelujah in first samuel chapter 26 verse 11 david had a chance to kill saul saul had been persecuting him i mean like the man made his life a living hell because he was just jealous of him he had killed goliath and now people were hailing him and chasing him all over looking for him to kill started with attempts in his own palace to try and spear him and all of that david got the chance saul was sleeping he had a sword he could have killed him but he said who am i to touch the lord's anointed david really understood the anointing that was why he was such a successful man of god saul had clearly fallen out of favor with god and sometimes men of God can even be more dangerous when they seem to be at the retiring. It's like right now they are not on the scene anymore. Don't go and play around those times. You know, it's like they are retiring and now they are not the main people on the scene anymore. And so, and so you think you can just go and misbehave and when they open their mouth. The same way the blessings that are released just before you go to the grave are very powerful. The ones too that you release just before the curses <laughs> that you release just before you go to the grave to can be very very powerful hallelujah somebody who has been anointed with oil before don't take the man for granted don't take the man for granted there's a story i don't know whether it's first or second kings there was a young prophet very anointed prophet he went to a place prophesied against an altar the man was so anointed that he prophesied and an altar split into two and the king wanted them to catch. He said, catch him. And his hands got transfixed with it. Like that. The man of God had to speak for that thing to be reversed. Very anointed young man. And the king said, oh, you... Okay, right now I can see you. You follow me to my palace. Let me give you some food. And he said, God says, I shouldn't... The direction I'm going, I shouldn't go back. Just go in one direction. And an old retiring prophet heard that hey there's this young man who is doing some very delicious things he said, you call him for me they called him for him he said um, an angel of the lord appeared to me he said you should follow me to my house come and eat you just come to him meanwhile god has spoken to him that go just go in one direction don't stop and eat anywhere he said an angel of the lord you the prophet god himself spoke to you and a senior prophet is coming to tell you an angel of the lord angel and then god himself whose word carries more authority but because the man was a senior he decided to listen followed him into his house went to eat while he was eating the bible said the spirit of the lord came upon the retiring prophet and he told him that because he has disobeyed him as he's going a lion will catch him and kill him don't joke with the retiring prophet so <laughs> The same one who deceived him, the Spirit of God came upon him and he prophesied to him. And the prophecy came to pass. He went out, a lion caught him, killed him. And the same old prophet went and took his body and went to bury it. So somebody that the hand of God has been on before, don't take the person for granted. Somebody who has been anointed before, even when they seem they are not anointed. Eli, retiring, he taught Samuel how to hear the voice of God. A whole prophet Samuel. He was hearing the voice of God. He thought he was human beings. So he said, no, come and let me give you direction. This realm, we've been in it before. It is not the voice of a human being. When you hear it, say this and this and that and that. By that time, Eli was even out of favor with God. Because his own sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were misbehaving and he couldn't check them. So God was very angry with him. He was retiring. But he put someone's feet on the path of the prophetic. Are you understanding me? So somebody who has had the hand of God upon him before, you don't take him for granted. 
You don't take him for granted. And so the message this evening is simple. Try as much as possible not to get familiar. When I say familiar, it means you are probing into things that are... Try not to lose your sense of awe. Because that is necessary for the anointing of God upon any man of God to be a blessing into your life. Let's read Acts chapter 23 verse 1. Let's read that down. I want to show you something else that shows that that's my last verse and we are we'll close. This was a situation where Paul this thing teaches us how to respect God's anointed people. Paul had found himself in front of a Sanhedrin. They were questioning him. He began talking. And one of the high priests caused somebody to slap his mouth. When they slap your mouth, it's a very, very annoying thing. So even because even though he was a man of God, you understand? He said, And Paul, earnestly beholding the council, said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. Next. And the high priest Ananias commanded them. It's like he had started his defense. He hadn't even said anything. Like the man was now beginning to speak. And you, Ananias, old man, commanded them that stood by him to smite him on the mouth. So I'm sure some matters so judges gave his mouth. Ah, keep quiet. Those kind of things, you will forget the fruit of the spirit. <laughs> so what did he do next? Chapter 3. Then said Paul unto him, God shall smite. This went us out of Yao. <laughs> God shall smite thee, thou whited wall. Whited wall. When I explain to you the whited wall, you understand that it was a very serious insult. <laughs> For sitteth thou to judge me after the law and commanded me to be smitten contrary to the law. There are different interpretations of the whited wall. One interpretation says it's like something that is dirty that you have painted white it's like hypocrisy but another interpretation which probably is what it is is that in jewish culture those days they didn't have public urinals like water closets and stuff like that so the public urinals they had was what they called whited walls so it was a wall and they are coated it with what do you call it? Um, calcium carbonate or that, that thing, that lime. Limestone, yes. What's the chemical? Calcium something, something, something. And the chemistry behind it is that what makes urine smell is ammonia in it. So they paint the wall with that compound, the calcium carbonate or whatever. So when the urine comes into contact with it, it will form a compound of um what do you call it uh, ammonium carbonate or whatever something something which does not smell all right so it was a scientific way of getting people to urinate but not creating the smell that will cause inconvenience and that was what we call a whited wall so you look at a person and call him a whited wall it means you deserve to be urinated upon And that was what came out of the depth of his anger and the yow and the whatever after his mouth was hit. He said, Then said Paul unto him, Thou whited wall, for sitteth thou to judge me after the law and commanded me to be smitten contrary to the law. Next. And they that stood by said, Revilest. Now let's move to NLT. Those standing near Paul said to him, Do you dare to insult God's high priest? Whatever it is, he was a high priest of God. He had been anointed into the position, even though he was misbehaving. And let's look at Paul's response. After all the anger and everything, he said, I'm sorry, brothers. I didn't realize he was a high priest. For the scriptures say, You must not speak evil of any of your rulers. So he apologized. 
even though the anger <laughs> was still there the moment he got to know that the one who ordered for that thing to be done is a man of god knowing the word knowing the scriptures he had to apologize hallelujah it shows us that we need to respect the Sometimes, even if they are misbehaving, as I said, if, if it's, it's matters that are above you, don't put your mouth into it. Don't add your opinion to it. Just leave it. Hallelujah. Leave the person. His, his fathers and his seniors will deal with them. Will deal with, 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 with those situations. You are not in a position to chastise and correct the person. So just, just keep quiet about the matter. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. But the message here today is that if we me myself included if we want to benefit fully from the men god has put in our lives one we must try our very best not to lose our sense of all for them and two even when they seem to be false we must consider those things as above us we don't add our mouth to it we don't spread it we don't behave like uh, what do you call it ham who saw his father's nakedness and decided to call his brothers hey come and see come and see oh call people to come and see and the older more mature brothers came took a cloth and they didn't even go forward so they could see the father's nakedness there are times when the men of god around you their nakedness will be exposed but as a son and as a daughter your duty is not to trample their nakedness out your duty is to cover the nakedness hallelujah as I told you on Sunday, don't open your mouth and broadcast anything about any man of God or criticize any man of God you haven't gone down on your knees to pray for. In the kingdom of God, we are like an army. The leaders are those ahead of us. When we look at the whole armor of God, I told you the other time, the back is not covered. It is your responsibility to cover the backs of those that are ahead of you. If you don't cover their backs and the enemy comes and spears them in the back, you should also bow down your head in shame because you fail to do your responsibility. If your leaders are overtaking immoral faults and things like that, they won't, they, they, the blame is not only on them. You fail to pray for them. Hallelujah. If there are any groups of people who need prayers the most, sometimes the congregation think they need the prayers the most. It's the pastors who need prayers the most in the church. Because as I said on Sunday, the devil's eyes are not on you like he is on me. And so even if you won't bring me a diary, your responsibility is to pray for me. Remember me in prayer. That, for me, that alone is enough. Go down on your knees and remember me and remember my family in prayer. Shall we stand to our feet? You want to pray today that the Lord will cement this word in your heart. It may seem like a very simple message, but I believe if you follow this, it is going to help you in your walk with God because God is going to bring a lot of people your way who are carrying things and packages that God has for you. It is important that we know how to relate to these people. Maybe there have been times when you've actually sat down and even spoken things about men of God and, and propagated things and done harm to the kingdom of God by doing that. You want to lift up your voice and ask God for forgiveness. And ask God for the grace to know how to handle such matters. When you hear of scandals, that is not when to say, even me, I won't do that. How can a man of God do such a thing? There are matters that are too high for us to understand. The best we can do is to go down on our knees and to pray for them. To ask for divine protection. To ask for the hand of God to remain upon them. Let's lift up your voice. We want to pray for the grace to be able to descend between truth and lies. Because there are a lot of lies that Satan is going to put out there about people who have been a blessing unto you. We want to pray that the, the Spirit of God will give you the discernment. You want to pray that if there are any men of God in your life, God, give me the grace not to get too familiar. Not to get too familiar. Not to behave like a baby. Not to behave like a child around the anointings that God has placed around me. We want to pray that God will position you to benefit fully from whatever he has placed 
upon the lives of these people in the name of Jesus just lift up your voice and pray lift up your voice and pray lift up your voice and pray on how you can receive more teachings from the man of God, reach us on 024-873-7450. Stay blessed.